Yen Press's website says the third volume is coming soon, February 2014. <laughs> it's coming soon when? <laughs> February 2014. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and it says original run 2008 to 2013. Yes. So. <laughs> back to Monging Your Ears. My name is Corey, Helen, and April are with me. Hi, everybody. Heyo. And we are uh, going to talk about some manga today. Old manga, new manga, etc., etc. Um, so our old manga this time around is uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, left turn, right turn? I don't know. Um, but it is uh, from France, sort of, but also all from Japan still. Uh, Kogansha put it out, actually, in a 200-ish page full-color um, full color volume. It's called Emma Dreams of Stars. It's written by Emmanuel Maisonneuve and Julia Palowicz, and is illustrated by Ken Takahama. Uh, this one is about a... Uh, seems to be Mig... 20s woman who uh, wants to become a um, a writer, reviewer, person for the Michelin Guide. Uh, she traveled around France and Greater Europe with her with her parents, and this inspired her to want to uh, to want to try out even more restaurants and things of things like that. Um, and uh, the first chapter is uh, just like the interview and her applying to, to the job and stuff, but then the subsequent chapters are spoilers, she gets the job, and um, she's trying all these foods, she's learning the ropes, uh, she meets a friend named Mark. This is uh, autobiographical, it is actually about Emmanuel Maisonneuve, she's the main character, and um, Pavlovich, I assume, did more of the uh, creative license or creative uh writing i don't know um i can't find like i, I tried to google for i don't know five minutes before the podcast <laughs> I couldn't find oh anything, I, I was doing googling for my, my review for this as well so what i ended up having to find was like an interview that um the main character the actual woman had done in french in like 2018 and then i just turned on the auto captions <laughs> on youtube which went to french and so then i told, told them to auto translate into english uh, and i got through like 15 minutes before my brain just hurt too much from trying to parse <laughs> all of it <laughs> but yes the other name on there is um like a food writer journalist and so i think the two of them c- mm, collaboratively wrote the story for this okay yeah, the back of the book has a bit of a longer description, but uh, Palowicz is a journalist who has co-written several portraits of women, is what I'm reading right now, and Maisonneuve, uh, quote, discovered the art of fine cuisine through the work of Michael Brass, Alan Ducasse, and Alan Passard, uh, and then she became a real-life Michelin, Michelin inspector. Um, I really like this. I thought it was really cute. Um, I mean, not cute in, like, a typical... Shoujo manga way, I guess, but uh, cute in a in a foodie way. Um, I I very much enjoy food manga. It's full color, so it was very nice, very 
beautiful to look at, but uh, what do you think? Um, I I wasn't super enthused going to this one because I'm not a food manga person. Food descriptions and stuff in manga, I'm like, I can't taste it. I, I just don't feel anything. <laughs> when it's kind of like when you when people say you know music manga, like I can't hear anything, so it's not the same. It's kind of the same for me with food manga. But I I liked this more as like a just about her career in general and it happened to be in food it, it it was a food manga but there wasn't as much of a focus on like how food tastes or how food is as much as I thought there would be it talks a lot about her career and her getting adjusted to the job and the different types of foods that she eats and how they make her feel and how they make her reevaluate her career I thought it was really interesting and I was kind of sad it ended where it did just because I would have liked to have seen more of what happened to her so yeah I actually wound up liking it a lot and I was not I was not really enthused about this one going into it so <laughs> I have some familiarity with French cooking although not a ton so I feel like the more you're familiar with French cuisine, the more you're going to get out of the story since like there are some footnotes explaining things, but other times it would give the name of the dish. And I'm like, well, I don't exactly know what she's eating here, but thankfully she would have really good descriptions of like, Oh, this is just a little too salty. Oh, I wish they had paired this with something else, which at least gave me a sense of what she was eating and tasting. Even if I would look at a dish name and be like, I never took French. I have no idea what this is. (laughs) Yeah, I very much appreciated the uh, liberal use of um, footnotes with mm-hmm. the with the little asterisks that thing because it kept uh, kept like the names of the food in French or yeah I think there was only French. She does go to Japan at one point, but I don't think they translated any of those. Uh, or maybe they translated a couple of those. Well, anyway, there's some footnotes in there and they're very useful for keeping with immersion uh, with the language and not and also giving you a translation of what this actually means for people that don't speak French or don't know French food. Yeah, I definitely think that footnotes was the right way to go here versus endnotes and having to flip all the way back and forth, Yeah, which uh, I'm always split on my feelings about footnotes versus endnotes and manga in general, but in this case, it was definitely a good call there. Or in and, some uh, cases, in Yen Manga, after the first chapter notes, where it goes like the entire book, here are all of your end notes after the first chapter for some reason. I can't recall the last time I saw that. <laughs> you have to tell me more about this after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this was... Um, I got a copy of it, and there will be a review on the OASG at some point in the near future. Um, I don't know when this podcast episode's going to go up, so <laughs> kind of hard to make predictions based off of that. Hopefully, take But I generally enjoyed this um, quite a bit. Um, I've never been super interested in the Michelin Guide myself, since... I know that they do put out a guide for DC, but like they're, it's not their budget restaurants, but like their reasonably priced restaurants for DC have like an average of like a $44 meal, which is like <laughs> for like two entrees and a glass of wine. And I'm like, that is twice the amount of budget I'm willing to spend on most meals around here. Like if I'm spending that much money, I want leftovers for a week, <laughs> which is not what they are aiming for. So I've never really paid attention to the guide before, so I went in not knowing much about it in general. Like, I didn't know that the inspectors, like, they have the badges, but they will just never show off their names. So it's like, people can recognize your face. I mean, what's the point of that? (laughs) Yeah, and for her, she is the only her. Mm -hmm. That is a Michelin uh, inspector, so it's like, you'll know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the sense I got from that interview that I saw... Um, was that 
it's funny. If you open up the book and look on the copyright page, it does say this is a work of fiction, which hmm. threw me off at first, and that's why I went down the whole rabbit hole of trying to find like this interview and everything. As far as I can tell, like the exact conversations in there, or perhaps not those precise meals, are like 100% true to life. But like the spirit of it, the essence of it, of you know these experiences are what she had, and so. I really hope that a lot of those places were real because a lot of them sound like they would be an awful lot of fun to visit if I ever went to France someday and went on a, you know, gastronomical journey. (laughs) And I also really like the art in there. Um, The mangaka has, like, a couple of series, which I'm hoping will get licensed in the U.S., so I'm crossing my fingers that now that one's got licensed that maybe some more will come in the near future. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting to see her, like, go to different small places and see, like, the landscape and then eat the food, like... It talks a little bit about about how the place itself obviously influences the food. So I liked it almost like a like a road trip thing too. And um, uh, one of the other things they mentioned, I think, was that there were certain things you couldn't take into account. So if I remember correctly, it was like you couldn't take into account like the decor and stuff. Like you literally only judge the restaurant based on what's on the plate even though obviously the decor and and the service and all that would influence how you felt about it i just thought that was interesting i didn't know all of that stuff about the gods well she was saying that like the decor i think goes towards like a different score i think it's like their fork and spoon or fork and knife although there were other things where she would be asking you know oh are you planning on making any upgrades soon and there's that one chef saying, we've been making upgrades for years trying to retain our star status. Please, have we not done enough? <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I felt I felt like he was making a good point since it's just, it's such a capitalist thing, isn't it? You know, it's that you can never already be good. You have to always be striving to be better. And that kind of seems like that's what the point of that question was. Like, even if this place is good, like, of course, it's not the best it could ever be. Right. Which, it, only, it only has one Michelin star. Come on, guy. Yeah. I, I still wonder why the Michelin stars only go up to three, but I'm I'm not so curious about it that I was going to go look into it. <laughs> yeah. I also have no idea how these inspectors could eat, like, at nine different restaurants in a week and not just feel, like, completely bloated and tired the entire time. Because <laughs> God knows I would. <laughs> well, she felt that way, what, coming back from Japan, and mm-hmm. then she ate. French food, I think it was after. She's like, oh, it's so heavy and all the cream. I think if I remember correctly, that's what Yeah. Happened. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That is what happened. Yeah. She went to Japan. She's eating a lot of um, less rich flavors, yeah. less fat, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then she comes never... and eat, like immediately eats something with a, this thick cream sauce or something. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't quite sure why she went to Japan in there. I, mm. Since she has a guide with her, I wasn't sure if this was like a work trip at first or if this was just pleasure. And she hired a guide to take her to these different restaurants. So that felt like a bit of a strange inclusion in there. Um, yeah, she did say she was going on vacation immediately before that. Um, so I guess she's a food weeb. Japan food mm-hmm. weeb. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the limitation of it only being 200 pages is uh, pretty limiting because it's a limitation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought there could be more background, but like as a as an overview of this career arc for like jumping from one career to another and then getting into this thing where she's starting to garner more respect in her job and she's gaining confidence in what she's doing. Uh, I thought you did that really well. And honestly, the story 
I mean, the volume fits a lot into those 200 pages. Although I have to admit, from like the first chapter, I was like, just dump your boyfriend. Like, clearly you guys aren't compatible. <laughs> you are ghosting him and not even telling him you're going off to like not just another country, but like an entire another continent. Like, if you're going from France to Japan, you really do need to let like your boyfriend know, hey, this is where I'm gonna be in case you got worried and called the police on me being missing. So. Uh, when I was reading it, I was thinking, have I just been reading too many Am I the Asshole posts recently? My first thought is she just needs to dump them, <laughs> since they just did not sound compatible at all from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's been some stuff on Twitter about, like, Michelin stars, and here's this best Michelin star restaurant, and you get this very tiny plate, and then you go get some Burger King afterwards. But this oh, really... are we talking about that viral thread? With, yeah, um... yeah. Oh, the one of, like, the really experimental food? Yep. Oh, you, you need to, like, include, like, a write-up or a link to that Twitter thread in the show notes just so people know what we're talking about. I feel like in my mind that's kind of what I expect from, like, a Michelin-starred restaurant. I expect mm-hmm. something kind of pretentious, you know, and where you're like, am I really paying money for food or an experience? Because I am here for food. <laughs> um, right. So it was interesting to see her going about the job and for at least a restaurant she's reviewing and all of this, it really is more about the food than the experience. Yeah, like exactly. The person who um, does some for trainings talking about, I always get the foie gras since you can compare that across everything, which made sense, you know, as a simple way of, you know, comparing quality, I guess, of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although God, that's, that sounds so French. I just get the foie gras everywhere. And I'm like, I don't, you have to go somewhere real high class in the U.S. to get that. <laughs> of course, here in the U.S., not all cuisine is going to be French cuisine, of course, so that also makes it harder. Yeah, I'm not going to find foie gras at most Japanese restaurants. We've got a couple of fusion ones around here that I would not put it past them, but... <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I like about it. It goes into the these smaller restaurants, the ones that aren't going to get a Michelin star but are going to be included in the guide. Uh, and because she's this... Um, entry-level Michelin inspector. She's not going to get the nicest restaurants. Uh, she stumbles upon it because someone gets sick at one point, but it's, it's mostly the the mom-and-pop kind of places, and those are the kinds of places that I really like visiting when I go to D.C. or Iowa or where I live in L.A. It was a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, Alright, so... Anyone else have anything else before we move on? We're talking about Kaiji number 8 afterwards. I didn't say that before, but we're doing that. <laughs> Mm, nothing else to say here. Alright, let's take a short break and we'll talk about some kaiju. Welcome back, y'all. So now we are going to be talking about the currently running and massively popular, at least in my, you know, sphere of influence, which is the only sphere of influence that matters, in my opinion. You know, to me anyway. Um, Kaiju Number Eight by Naoyo Naoya Matsumoto. I think I've gotten that name right. Yep. It's um, one of the Shonen Jump Plus um, titles, which means that you can read chapters on Viz's site and I believe Manga Plus as well. And that's really great because this is a really fun detective series. Uh, we're in an alternate world where things are 
basically indistinguishable from ours in terms of it seems like how history went and society developed except as a natural disaster there are just kaiju attacks like it sounds like japan is known for having a lot of them but we definitely get like mention that in america there there's definitely an offhand mention of like university of kaiju killing or something like that <laughs> like apparently just you know in addition to hurricanes snowstorms you know wildfires you've also just got to deal with kaiju attacks in this world <laughs> excellent and so our main character is named kafka and i'd really love to know what his parents were thinking to name a child like that <laughs> one is just not going to have a happy life when you get named kafka you know maybe he looked um, kafka-esque are you saying that he was born looking like a cockroach? <laughs> yeah, maybe. That is not something you should be saying about young children, <laughs> You should only be saying about that about your worst enemies. <laughs> uh, so Kafka grew up in Japan, and he and a friend, um, they witnessed like their hometown being destroyed by kaiju. They were both pretty young, I think both still elementary, middle school age. And so they both vowed to join the... Um, Japanese uh, defense force, which fights off these kaiju, and Kafka didn't make it. His friend Mina did, and she's now, like, um, the head of a squad, nationally known, greatly admired, and he's working in one of the cleanup crews, which do exactly that. You know, the kaiju dies, this is not a video game, so the body doesn't just vanish in sparkly bubbles, it kind of lies there, and you really want to get rid of it before it starts rotting, you know? rotting next to, you know, your son's playground and right across the street from your grandmother. All that. So that's where he's working for the moment. He's in his early 30s, and he's kind of resigned that he can't get into the defense squad now. He's sort of getting into, uh, you could say a rut, or you could say, yeah, you could just say a rut in his life. And he's kind of getting challenged by that a little bit when a new guy joins the uh, cleanup crew and... Wikipedia, I have you open specifically to give me character names. No, there's none on Wikipedia. I could go to the uh, kaiju8.fandom to get all of them when I was tweaking. Okay, so um, a new guy joins the squad. Corey, do you have that name in front of you? Yes, his name is Leno Ikikawa. You're talking about the ace ranked? Uh, yeah, the, the young guy. Yep, yeah, Leno. He joins, and he's really challenging Kafka, like, why are you giving up, yada, yada, yada. You know, I would never give up on my dreams. And, um... The two of them come across a minor kaiju. They survive. And Leno is saying, oh, you know, I I was rude to you earlier. I apologize. I should not have been like that. Also, you know, they are now saying that new trainees can join up till they're 33 years old. And if you're 32, you still have one year left. And so Kafka is starting to think about that. They're in the hospital because they got kind of roughed up from the kaiju. And then some weird bug shows up out of nowhere and, like, jams itself down his throat. And he turns into a kaiju. And chapter one. <laughs> so, as people probably guess by now, Kafka has become the infamous kaiju number eight of the title, where, um, again, like Hurricanes, uh, the really big, really super-powered kaiju get, like, numbers. I don't know if they restart the numbers every year, or if it's just been going historically. I believe um, it is historically, because kaiju number two is from 1975. 1972? Yeah, that, I, that's what I was thinking, but we get, like, eight and nine within, like, only a couple of chapters, and it's, like, either they redo the numbers every year, or we've got, like, some Shonen Power Creep bullshit going on here. Um, yeah. Just more and more powerful monsters appearing all the time. But either way, he's still himself. He's now, like, 
Well, I would say crapping his pants, except that's not actually how his bodily functions work anymore. Um, trying to figure out why he has suddenly become a kaiju. You know, they're definitely going to try and kill him. And so now he's trying to hide this. Uh, his co-worker turned friend is aware of this because he was in the same room. And they're both now trying out for the defense squad with this other knowledge that if Kafka's ever found out, he will probably be cut up and turned into parts. Since apparently that's where the defense squad gets all their nifty weapons from. They just use kaiju body parts. Which is, you know, a very good way of recycling, honestly. Um, But yeah, I really enjoy this series. It's got nice action scenes. It's got really effective usage of color pages. They just only appear every now and then, and they are just spot-on perfect when they are which I guess is the great thing about being in a digital magazine where you're not um, uh, as restricted when it comes to where you can put color pages in the way you would for a print book. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like how you always have color pages at the beginning of a volume because they got a slot in like the different paper for printing. And um, it moves quite fast. I'm liking the characters. It's doing a pretty good job at building up even all the side characters in a reasonable amount of time. This one is totally getting an anime at some point. Hasn't been announced yet, but you can just tell. <laughs> um, it's definitely coming. And uh, I honestly couldn't believe that we hadn't done it yet on this podcast. And then Corey reminded me that I was the one who said, hey, let's wait till this gets a little bit more before we jump on it. So that's my bad, guys. My bad. <laughs> and so, Corey, had you been reading this all along? April, I know you just read it for the podcast. Nope. I was waiting for the podcast because I have poor memory retention and I just want to marathon and everything. <laughs> I mean, you're honest with yourself, and that's good. So, okay. so this is new for both of you guys, then. Okay, so, are you guys also fans now of this? <laughs> I liked it. I don't know that I love it. I think in okay. the beginning, I wasn't sure where it was going. So, at first, like, within the first chapter or two, I thought, like, this is going to be, like, a cleaning series, like a like a planetism. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I love that show. It's going to be a cleaning one. And it wasn't that. And then there, I thought it was going to go a different direction. It didn't go that direction i think my biggest thing is that i'm not super attached to the main character like i like i like the idea that like they reuse the body parts like that's really interesting and then him trying to hide it from everybody but i just i haven't like fully grasped onto the main character and then the chapter that we're at is like 50 something and like right there when they cut it off i'm like oh now i want to know what happened so it (laughs) it took me a while to really get to the point where i was like okay but yeah i thought it was gonna go a couple different directions and i wasn't sure what what type of series it was gonna be it kind of parts of it reminded me of parasite a little bit which is a huge favorite of mine but i mean i liked it i don't think that i love it but i think the concept is interesting i really like that part where they reuse the body parts like that's really cool (laughs) so yeah what about you Corey? Uh, I really like this one, actually. I think it is, for me, it's sitting up there uh, in terms of highs, like shonen action-y highs, um, with Demon Slayer and Jujutsu Kaisen, um, for contemporary examples, uh, around the same, like, 50 chapters of each of them. I would like them about equally, I think. But uh, I also just generally like uh, kaiju combat things, like Pacific Rim... Uh, Godzilla. Um, Last other. year was a particularly good year for like kaiju themed stories too. Wait, what else came out? Came uh, Godzilla Singular Point came out last year. That was an anime on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I feel like there was a couple of other things. It feels like kaiju might be back in vogue for a couple of years, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to have trends. Yeah, yeah, and I think this one is pretty unique. Um, 
as well. Like they have these body suits that make them stronger. And except Kafka. Yeah, except <laughs> well, he also you can get has like the body a whole suit. One percent of power out of the suit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would just make me want to quit. Yeah. <laughs> Although it does sound like even one percent is good because he's like, you know, this would be so useful if we had these while we were doing cleanup. This would make it so much easier mm-hmm. to saw through like spinal cords. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that uh, the initial uh, framing of the story of Kafka being a cleanup guy is made this the most interesting to me. Like, I really just wanted Kaiju number eight to be about this Kaiju that was uh, rampaging throughout Japan. They couldn't catch him, and Kafka's just over there being like, "Can you please stop destroying the city?" Uh, didn't turn out that way. It's, it's more of an action thing where they're all fighting like Kaiju, but. What I really want now is a is a series about the Kaiju cleanup team. That would be interesting, yeah. Yeah, I feel like we definitely don't get um, as many stories that are like kind of behind the scenes of what's mm-hmm. going on. We we get all these shonen actiony, you know, fighting scenes where you see like entire cities are leveled, but you don't see you know the janitor just having to deal with it afterwards. So I totally wouldn't have minded if the series had focused more on you know just cleaning up but i do also like the direction it went in i definitely see what you mean april by like it kind of changes your expectations or subverts expectations in a Mm -hmm. few different moments but at the same time to me all of those felt planned it didn't feel like to me like the editors were saying yeah you need to jazz this up or Mm -hmm. it's gonna get canceled yeah 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 it all definitely felt planned from the (laughs) get-go Yeah, Yeah. I think the other direction I was thinking of initially, now that it's popping in my head, is like, I wondered if it was going to be like a Space Brothers. He's like a, I think he's in his 30s. He's like 32. Yeah. Although, I I will say, he looks older than most 32-year-olds I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, clean up ages, people. maybe it was going that way, yeah. You know, it's all those chemicals you get exposed to while cleaning up the kaiju. This is why um, PPE is so important, kiddos. (laughs) You you, you gotta use it. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. The uh, the chapters in this, or I guess the grouping of chapters in this, is pretty interesting too. Like they they have very specific end of part one things, and they title each of those things. And I don't know what they're titled right now, but I will click around on this kaiju number eight wiki while someone else talks and try to look for it. But I thought that was really interesting, um, just giving the story arcs uh, story arcs names and like giving you the the reader this very concrete. Thing that's like, all right, this this part ended, and then a new thing is going to begin. I have no memory of this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I've summed up what I enjoy about this series. It's got both very down-to-earth humor, but also, you know, good fight-fight-bang-bang moments, which, yeah, I did just complain about Shonen action but guess what? I, I do come back to this for a reason. I do enjoy some of the fight-fight-bang-bang moments, just <laughs> not when they're like bleach level long fights you know these are all fights that have been resolved in like five chapters or less i think even when enemies are like i have like another superpower and everyone's like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) right now we just killed you what do you mean you're not dead yet i smashed your core what the nobody actually swears like that in the series but (laughs) they are swearing in their hearts you can feel it you know (laughs) i like the the in-between chapters too where it has just the um the different covers and different Im- different color images from the series. I looked forward to those after mm. I started to read them. They're really nice. Yeah, since this one has a, a schedule where it's like, I don't know if it's every other week right now or if it's like three weeks on, one week off. It's It's been changing up a little bit recently. But seeing the cover images and the breaks has been 
really fun. And my only complaint is that it is used to like post a page in there saying when the next chapter is going to come out, but they haven't done that for the last few chapters. So I've been like, what week do I check? <laughs> I, I need this. I need my silly little sign saying check back on November 26th or something. Yeah. Did you find the part names, Corey? No. Okay. I just found a list of arcs. I mean, that's probably going to line up pretty close, but the the manga calls it something pretty specific, and I don't remember what any of them are. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about, and I don't remember either, so I'm not being helpful. But I, I think <laughs> I re- they do exist. <laughs> they exist, Helen. Believe us. Okay, I, I believe you. I just have no memory of it. <laughs> These two statements are not um, mutual. So yeah, unless you guys have any other final thoughts on Kaiju Number Eight, I think we're going to close out this episode. Nope. I really enjoy it. I like all these characters. They're fun. They're beat up kaiju. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yep. I'll check it out and see where it goes. <laughs> all right, then. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Uh, if you want to... I don't know. I got it. We do have a, we do have a Twitter, um, at Manga Your Ears, but it is um, mostly, you know, just retweets of when these episodes go up, and occasionally Corey retweets other things on there. I don't think you've been retweeting too much sports on there, thankfully. Um, no. I try to retweet when it's relating to a manga that we've covered or are about to cover. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can do that. And if you want to see past episodes, you can obviously check them out on whatever podcasting app you're currently using. Or you can go to the website, which is the Taiku Podcast website, um, since there's no point in having two separate websites for two separate podcasts. And that is T-A-I-I-K-U Podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Dreamer. And you can find the reviews I write, not for Kaiju number eight, but like I said, Emma Dreams of Stars will be coming soon over at theoasg.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mongeoren. I'm still alive and I'm reading more manga than I used to. So that's always a plus. We're, we're heading into the new year with more manga than I did last year. So you can find me there. Reading more manga is a very good New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. It's off to a positive start. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at CompassionateK, and you can find the podcast also on Spotify. I don't remember if I said that last episode, but I'm saying it again. You can find us on Spotify. If you want us anywhere else, tweet at me, tweet at the podcast. Um, I'll try to get you there. Until next time, then, folks. Bye. Bye, everybody. I still can't believe we got on that like someone's like favorite comics podcast list. Yeah. April, did you see that? Oh, yeah, I did. Uh huh. I saw that yesterday. <laughs> and Very I was like, nice oh good, it. I'm so glad she did not listen to the episode where I just started <laughs> off with the giant rat story. <laughs> <laughs> Next, the second episode that she listened to. <laughs>